welcome you to Doxodeo Hatfield, a multi-ethnic family on mission, passionate about Jesus, passionate about community, and passionate about serving the city of Chwaneka. Headfield, open up a Bible with me to the book of First Peter in the New Testament, First Peter chapter 4. So make sure you have a Bible with you on your phone and paper, and we're going to use them as always as handbooks. So be able to write in them, highlight in them. Let's not use our uh, Bible as a doorstop. Let's use it as the life-giving guide that God has given to us. So First Peter chapter 4, and you would know that if you've been with us, that the Doctor family is on a three-year focus, and this year's focus is that of love, love that heals the pain. We just came out of a four-week sermon series as we focused on that, and now we're going to make a crucial transition as we speak about the gifts of God in and through us. And here's the amazing thing. Just think about this for a moment that most people in our city and most people who join into our community in some way, they've never had a positive experience of God. They've never had a tangible experience with God. And so in that sense, God is almost invisible to them. They've never experienced Him at arm's length. And so 1 Timothy 1 actually says God is the invisible God. And to most people, that is practically true. I've never experienced God in any significant way. And so this is what's so amazing then. 1 Corinthians 12, we keep coming back to it in the series. Listen to what it says then about this God and what happens when this God works in and through his people. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be unaware. Verse 4 says, there are, yes, different gifts, but the same spirit. Different ministries, yes, but the same Lord. Different activities, but the same God who works all of them in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. Isn't that powerful? It's saying here that the very same God we've been speaking about, the love of God that reaches into the city, the same God who we said, not that He is just loving, that'd be great if God's characteristic was that He is loving, but the essence of this God, First John says, He is love. That very same God, this passage says, is the God who gifts his people with spiritual gifts so that they would reach into the city and into the community for the common good. And what happens when that happens? It says here, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person. That word manifest literally just means to make something that is not visible, visible. To make something that is unclear, clear. To bring something into the, the line of sight, into the place where I can touch it. So what's happening? The God who is invisible to my friend, neighbor, and colleague, who's never had a positive experience, when the church, whether in our office, in our homes, in our communes, or when we gather as the church, when we practice the spiritual gifts that God has put in each of us, God manifests himself to those around us. It's as if God has skin put onto him in our city and in our community. 
This is the invitation from God that each of us would take up our calling to manifest who he is. One commentator, I love how he puts it. He says, spiritual gifts are God going public amongst his people. Spiritual gifts are God going public amongst his people. The invisible God is made visible when we practice his gifts. And here's the beautiful thing. This is not an invitation for the holy of the holies, you know, all the green berets, the elites of the faith, the guys who've been serving God for decades and they've got all the, the accolades and the, you know, the medals of Christianity. No, this scripture says to each a manifestation is given. This is the invitation, as Taiki said last week, of a good father who gives good gifts to each of his children to build up his people for the common good of our city and our community. Now, what happens, I wanna show you what's the opposite of that. What's the potential that we have when this happens? This picture has always struck me and I love it as an example. So many years ago, there was a research team that found a colony of ants and they almost hesitate to call it a colony just because of how strange it is. So near the border of Germany, they found this colony who had built their nest on the abandoned site of a nuclear bunker. And so it had this long kind of shaft that, that would go down into the facility and they had built it, their little nest, on the grating, the metal grating that goes down into this deep facility. And obviously just over time, this metal had eroded. And because of that, these ants would start falling by the thousands every year into this shaft and they would be stuck there, can't get out. And what happened, because they have been cut off from the sun, cut off from sustenance, cut off from everything that would revitalize them and give them power and strength and, and almost joy, you, you see a nest of ants, it's just this flurry of activity. This was the opposite. They, the scientists said that they were almost always at the place of near starvation. That's how you would characterize this poor little nest. No queen, no, no one's, nothing's getting born, nothing's getting moved around. They're always at the place of near starvation. And I, and I see this picture and I think, man, this is so easily where we live as the church. We are so happy sometimes to live at the place of spiritual near starvation. When God says, I want to give you access to the sun, what vitalizes you, the power, the joy, the strength that I have for you. And when that happens, this is what happens. 1 Corinthians 12 or 14, Paul says as he writes to the Corinthian church, he says, since you are zealous, passionate for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in what? In building up the church. In building up the church, this poor ant colony has been cut off from everything they need to build themselves up. And God says, we can exist as the church or we can thrive as the church. And how we thrive as the church is realizing that God has put everything we need to thrive in this room. Every need that we have to thrive, to be built up, God has put in you and he has put in me. And the invitation is to not just survive, but to thrive. So what does that look like? We're gonna look at another one of these passages. Taiki looked at one of them last week. All these passages about the spiritual gifts in the Bible and then Bosov will end off next week looking at one of them again. And this one is in 1 Peter 4. Just a quick bit of background. So this letter is written to a community of people that had been thrown out of their homeland as Christians because of persecution. And I wanna tell you that if you're feeling at the moment just stretched really thin, these people get it. 
They were people who had no margin emotion, who felt life was absolutely putting the screws to them. They were not living their best life now. And yet, listen to what Peter writes to them. He says, the end of all things is near, verse 7. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Now, just quickly stopping there. I know a lot of people, as we read the scripture, that's going to jump out to you like, whoa, the end of all things is near. What's happening here? So we did a whole series in the lockdown preaching through First and Second Peter. And the one side of this passage of the coin is this whole idea of the end of the world. And the other side is what we're going to look at today. I'm not going to touch upon that today. So if you want to go back to that sermon, go into the archives, you can listen. We spent a whole sermon looking at what is this idea of the end of the world. But suffice to say, for today's purposes, Peter is saying that in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the final chapter chapter of mankind's story has begun. And whether that is five more days or 50,000 more years, that's irrelevant. He's saying every person must now live in the urgency of the shadow of the cross. My life will count for something. Live with urgency. But this is what he says now. How do we live with urgency in these times? He says, above all, maintain constant love for one another. Love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength that God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever. Amen. How powerful is that? He says, you don't have to be cut off. I have put everything in you. Now, three things. Get out your highlights and your pen. Here. Three things from this passage that we have to see, man. If we want to be almost that flurry of activity, whenever we get together, boss of is going to speak next week about almost the, the Monday to Saturday, how do we use our gifts? Today we're going to look a little bit about when we get together as the church, whether it's here on a Sunday, at a community group, at a braai, at a picnic, when we get together, we usually have coffee with someone in the church, what does it look like when the ant colony is at its best, when there's a flurry of just spiritual activity happening through all the people? Three things. First thing, verse 8, highlight this, it says, above all, maintain constant love. Some of your translations might say fervent, passionate love for one another, since it covers a multitude of sins. That Greek word there for, for uh, constant love or, or passionate love or fervent love, it literally, the root of that word means to stretch out. So what is it saying? It's saying when we are together as the people of God, for me to see the blessing of God flow, I will have to be stretched beyond myself. The love of God can never be stretched to the point of breaking. There is always love to be given and received when God's people are together. When I come simply to church or to community group or when we go out together and I'm, I'm with the people but I'm there for me, it's almost as if the, the Spirit is saying there's more. You need to stretch yourself, not in your own power, through my power. Stretch yourself to cover the person next to you. Allow me to, to take you from the place of me focus to you focus when we come together. When we get together as the church, I'm saying, man, how can I stretch myself to cover and to bless? This is what God has for each of us. And then it says, what does that do? It covers a multitude of sins. Now, some people might think that means forgiveness, but that's not what it means because we have full and forever forgiveness in Jesus. 
If you've put your faith in Christ, there's nothing in the universe that can add or subtract from what God has done in Jesus. What this means is that that sneaky little thing that I tell us at the partners evening always. Friends, if you're going to be in this church, you're going to be offended in this church. You're going to be angry in this church. You're going you're to want to leave this church. Why? Sometimes it's because of me. Sometimes it's because of you. Yeah? Sometimes it's because of the person next to you. <laughs> Not your wife, look to the other way. Um, <laughs> why? Because friends, we are human. The church is the amalgamation, the putting together of the beautiful and the perfect and the human. Therefore, there is something so spectacular in the church. It's so beautiful and yet it's so broken at times. Can we be honest? So what is it saying? It says, this stretching out beyond myself love, it covers all the nonsense. <laughs> Isn't it? Here's the principle, friends. It's very difficult for me to stay angry at you when I'm serving you in love. When I bring you food, when you're going through a tough time, a lot of the junk we had between us just evaporates. When I see you raising your hand on a Sunday with tears in your eyes saying, I need help, I'm desperate, and I lay my hands on you, and I'm just praying, I'm interceding, it's so difficult to still be frustrated with your little things. When I go out of my way, when I'm stretching, not for me, but for you, it's so difficult to stay angry at you. Love covers a multitude of sins. No, the kind of community that we are when we come together is, God, stretch me beyond myself for the other. Secondly, he says this. Wait, just before I go on, I think this is so, uh, I want to maybe just say that this stretching, you might feel this is very abstract. One very practical example of this in the first three years of Hatfield, this has been so key for us, is hospitality. This is one of the spiritual gifts, just being hospitable with what you have. And I think about how often during the lockdown we had people that contracted COVID and other people would reach out to them and just bring them food, just be there for them. And how many people, that was, that was strange, that was new to them. I'd never experienced something like this in church before. And I want to say this is exactly what it should be. If there is a need here, we have the solution here. God says, let me stretch you to cover each other. In our community group once, we had a couple that was really going through a very difficult time, and we just supported them just by taking them food as, as a whole group. And I asked them this thing. It was at the very beginning of the journey with community groups in our church. I asked them, if you don't mind, would you post a photo of all the food that people brought on our group? And I know this was a bit exposing. It's like, ugh, it doesn't really feel like so. And I told them, this is the reason why. I want the people to see that this is the culture that we want. Some things are taught, but most things are caught. And in this church, I want people to catch this thing. When we have an issue in here, we have the solution in here. Nick and Tash, they're not here this morning, but I know when, when Shay and I, we had COVID during the lockdown, I had a wedding that morning, and that bride was like, Joe, don't, if you tell me you have COVID now, I'm going to die. I told her I had COVID. That was terrible. So um, she died, yes, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> spiritual death. Um, and they brought us food, and I just told them, guys, thank you so much. And I'll, I'll never forget what Tash said. She just said, Joe, we love doing this. We love doing this. And I thought that is the culture that we want as a church. We love stretching ourselves for the other. Second thing, he says, verse 10, highlight this. It says, just as each one has received a gift, if you're a Christian this morning, what? Use it. <laughs> Use it to serve others. What? As a steward. A steward is not an owner. I have received something to use that is not my own strength. 
It's not my own revelation. It's not my own wisdom. It's not my own ability. God is saying, I will give it to you. You use it for my glory. Each of you have received something. That little word that it says, the varied grace of God, the Greek actually has this idea of a multicolored grace. Imagine God as this pure light shining into the prism of the church and out comes just all this light. This, this multicolored light. God is saying, whatever need there is, my multicolored church can meet it. When my people all step into giving and speaking and helping and encouraging and strengthening and preaching and teaching and, and bringing food and, and praying, when they step out, there is a color for every single thing we need to build up this church. The multivaried grace of God. And how do we access that? You're like, this sounds so amazing. I would love to join this church. Show me where this church is. You know how we become that church? One little decision for each of us every week or so. You know what that decision is? In John 2, the very first miracle that Jesus does, he goes to this massive multi-day kind of wedding party feast. The Jewish people knew how to party, friends. We need to take some cues from them. So multi-day feast and spectacular flub. The, the wine runs out. And so Jesus' mom comes to him and she says, listen, the wine has run out. And he has this classic moment in our kind of westernized world. We don't understand it well. But he says to a woman, this is not my issue, basically. And you would think she would tell him, hey, you don't speak to your mom like that. But what she actually says is profound. She calls the waiters toward her, and almost having these men in a huddle, she looks at these waiters, and she looks at Jesus, and she tells them what? She says, do, verse 5, whatever he tells you. Just do whatever he tells you. And as they do that, this incredible miracle of just water being turned into wine, the party just starts up again. This prophetic picture of the banquet of God's provision and grace has broken into the brokenness of mankind. The, the feast has begun in Jesus, but it all started with this one thing. Just do whatever he tells you. Friends, if you want to see the multicolored picture of God's church, just firing at all cylinders, just provision and grace and teaching and hope and strengthening and, and all these things, you know what you need to do? You need to do whatever he tells you. When we get together as a church, do whatever he tells you. As silly as it might seem, if you see someone struggling and they look really, really just down and discouraged and you feel like I have this thought in my heart to go and just put my hand on their shoulder and just be with them, but I'm an introvert, so that must be the devil speaking. It can't be me. Just do whatever he tells you. When you see someone struggling financially in our church and you think, man, I don't have the money in this month, honestly, just do whatever he tells you. It's almost like the multicolored church just comes to life. Can I just say that it's obedience. Obedience is what makes the church as beautiful as God wants it to be. Third thing, highlight this. It says, if anyone speaks, let it be as the one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength that God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. Just listen to how beautiful this is. By this time, you might already feel like, oh man, this is, it's getting heavier, Joe. The weight you're adding onto us is getting heavier. We walked in here this morning with pluckies. We thought it was gonna be like a nice, chilled out day. And you're just adding expectation and weight and things on us. Here is where all that weight is just taken off you. This is not us doing just us things. This is God saying, trust me to do this in you and through you. This isn't your strength. 
Friends, what sets this apart from CrossFit and the bowls, you know, club that you belong to and the book club and the, all those things are beautiful things with people being together because they like doing like-minded things. The church is together in spite of the fact that we have nothing in common. <laughs> Do you agree with me? Let's just quickly look around. We have nothing in common, friends. Nothing except this one thing, Jesus. And he says, if you try and get strength from this community itself, you will be so frustrated. No one understands me. No one reaches out to me. No one does. I agree. That's why God says it must be me in and through you. And the pressure is off. The pressure is off. Let me do it. Let my strength be strong in you. Let my wisdom flow through you. Just the other day again, someone was saying, man, they, they had coffee with someone. They'd never heard someone as wise as they were in that coffee. I was like, where are these words coming from? It's not coming from you. Of course. I'm never as wise as when God is actually speaking through me. Michaela, well, you all know, there's a moment that she, we had coffee once, and she said, up to one point, God was doing just something incredible, and then it just kind of felt like you, would, you just started throwing in your own stuff there, and it's almost like the spirit just left, kind of. <laughs> I remember that, and I was like, that is so true, because I could almost sense the thing, okay, now I'm just going to jump in with, with Joe, and it's like, no, 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 take the pressure off, let me do this. Let me provide, let me be strong, let me be wise, let me be caring, let me be helpful. Guys, I'm the most impatient and most least practically helpful person that I know. But when God works in and through me, He not only changes me, He works through me. Yeah. Sam Storms puts it so beautifully. If you want a, a great book on spiritual gifts, Understanding Spiritual Gifts by Sam Storms, he says, spiritual gifts are nothing less than God Himself in us, energizing our souls, imparting revelation to our minds, infusing power in our wills, and working His sovereign and gracious purposes through us. Spiritual gifts are God present in, with, and through human thoughts, deeds, words, and love. When I say no to the gifts of God, I'm saying no to God. We can be the near starvation and colony of just one more picnic to keep us alive, God, please. Or we can say whenever we get together, there must be a flurry of just encouragement and love and grace and truth. And we make mistakes and we forgive. And it's God doing it in and through us because it's God himself. Spiritual gifts are not there. God's throwing gifts at us from the distance there. My kids are at that age, the youngest one, Mia. She's asking, like, where does God live? Like, is it up? Is it there? Is it? And it's so difficult to try and explain. I want to get into, like, you know, you know, you have multiple dimensions, and I realize now I've already lost this. So God is not there. <laughs> but we see that often. Like, God is like Christmas, you know. He's coming down the chimney and parting some gifts, and woo, there he goes again. That's not it. No, he's saying what the Bible is saying. He's saying it's God in you. If you want to see God with skin on, then start stretching yourself in love to one another. Can I give you a brilliant example of all three of these concepts in one story? <laughs> I asked Gareth if I can just share this. Uh, now, obviously preparing now for the last week or so for the sermon, this just felt like, man, I'm just going to cut out a whole part because this we need to hear. So Gareth is a teacher at Boys Eye. His wife's also a teacher. And at our community group on Wednesday, we speak in our, from the first week of the gift series, Taiki, so good last week. And at one stage, um, Gareth just says, I think I just need to read you guys this email. Because we were speaking about how one of these gifts is, is encouragement and wisdom. And some people were saying, man, Shaul, was on a, he was on a hot streak in our community group. People were just saying, Shaul, this thing you shared once with me, this thing, and this picture just so changed my heart. And Gareth says, can I just read you guys this email? So beautiful. 
So I asked him if I could read it. I'm leaving out some key details just to protect this person. But this email is sent to him by a lecturer at the University of Johannesburg. So listen to this. He says, hi, Gareth. My name is. You don't know me. And this is going to sound very random. But please hear me out. My relationship with God is very important to me. And I often feel God placing a word or a message on my heart. This is the gifts operating. On my heart to share with people whom I don't know. I felt to Google Pretoria Boys High staff because I felt that there was a specific staff member who God was going to give me a word for. And as I scrolled through some of the staff members, I felt God leading me to contact you. Your email address was on the staff page, hence me sending this email. I have no hidden agenda whatsoever. I just want to be obedient. I got this image in my mind of an intense watering of a garden contrasted with the pruning of trees. Both of these are very fruitful and deliberate actions. And I feel that God is currently in the process of leading you into a very deliberate yet fruitful season. I feel that God is saying, Gareth, don't be afraid to turn on the hose in full or to trim back and cut down. I will steer both these paths simultaneously, as impossible as it may seem, because the fruit that will be born out of this season will be abundant. This is relevant and symbolic of development in your career and your personal and your character development. Respond to God's prompting, Gareth, in leadership and your call during this season. Feel free to ask me if anything is unclear. Have a good week further. Guys, as he was reading that, our jaws were on the floor. Knowing a little bit of just where Gareth and Michaela find themselves in a season they feel like first and second Peter, they are stretched to the max. And just hearing this, and I thought to myself, this is the picture of the body building itself up. 1 Corinthians 14, because this man did not have to do this. He doesn't know them from a bar of soap. He's a lecturer at a university here in Gauteng somewhere, and he has a full-time job. He's not a pastor or a, you know, he's a ministry person or he's an evangelist. Or, he is a lecturer. He's in the world of the academics, and yet what God has given to each one a gifting. And he maybe just experiences in his mind a thought that says, I want you to pray for a staff member of, of Pretoria Boys High. How easily could he have said, that is the most, why am I even, this is such a random thought. Anyway, I've got things to do. Let me move on. But he goes and he seeks and he steps into and he goes the extra mile. He stretches himself in love so that they can be built up. And it was so beautiful. We spoke about the fact that it doesn't it just feel as I'm reading this email, man, God is getting skin put on him in this season. Maybe God feels distant to you. Maybe you feel God is, is not in your situation. He feels almost apathetic. I promise you for Gareth and Michaela reading that email, God was as tangible as the person sitting next to you. This is the church at work. This is the common good, stepping beyond myself, being a good steward of the gift of God. It's not on my strength. I'm just being obedient. And here's the rub, friends. When we do this, and that's why I love this story so much, if it was some world-famous evangelist, it would have taken a little bit away from me from the story almost. I love the fact that it's someone who is in the, the world of the academic. Because I've had this often in, in Doxedo Bloom, where we come from, there was one of our students, Jess, she's a legend from KZN, but she would always, and she comes from a very specific kind of background, she would always call me, as she introduced me to other people, as the minister. This is Joe, he's our minister. And I would always tongue-in-cheek just say, I'm not the minister, she's the minister. Why? Because 1 Peter 2.9, just earlier in that chapter, it says, you as the church, you are a chosen race, you are a royal 
priesthood. Ephesians 4 says we are to equip the people for their work of ministry. The priests were those in the Old Testament who interceded between God and man. And now it says here that in Jesus, I'm choosing a people for myself who will be a royal, set-apart priesthood. You ever say that to people? Where do you go on Sunday? I go to the priesthood, the gathering of the priesthood. You're like, whoa, that sounds like a cult, through and through, right? We've got matching tattoos at our gathering of the priesthood. But that's what we are, friends. It's not that you are here to support someone else ministering. We are here to equip you for your work of ministry. Isn't that true? You, you use any example? I'll use rugby as an example. That old saying of like rugby is 30 men on a field who really need rest being observed by 30,000 men who really need exercise. Isn't that true? That's how, that's how it works. Very often, that's the picture of the church. I'm here to observe ministry happening. No, you are here to be equipped for your work of ministry. Painter, plumber, poet, pediatrician, programmer, academic at the University of Johannesburg. Your work of ministry. We are a priesthood. And when the ants start coming together for coffees and brides, and friends, I've had some of the most profound experiences of church just happening at a social there was no worship team. There was no liturgy. There was no fancy anything. I was just the people of God just being obedient, letting his gifts flow. Can I tell you, just for me personally, and all of us will have stories like this, one of these gifts is the gift of discernment. One of them could be that of knowledge and wisdom and of prophecy. Prophecy is not predicting the future. The future. It's, it's forth-telling. It's speaking the word of God in season over someone else. And I have personally had the direction of my life radically altered because of people's obedience. Radically altered. Even this morning, before I tell that story, as I was sitting here, and I just, I saw Manalisi, he's gone all the way with the socks and the slops. That's like the perfect combination. I'm not bold enough for that yet. So, but when I saw just his short pants, I just said this for whatever reason, this picture just came to mind, just thought of from Luke 15, the father running out to meet the, the prodigal son. And maybe you've heard this, how they say, obviously in, in those times with the kind of robes that the men would wear, the father wouldn't be able to run unless he picked up his robes. And yet it was a very disrespectful thing in a patriarchal culture to show your, your kind of bare legs as the father. You were too regal for that, right? But this father, because of love, he runs out. He says, I will embarrass myself. I don't care. I run out for my son. And I just felt this morning, just if you walked in here and you say, Joe, I'm a sinner and I'm broken and I'm hopeless, welcome. The father runs out today to meet you. He runs out to meet you. But I've had words like that just absolutely changed my life. In 2010, I was part of Doxedo Bluffentain. And in a prayer meeting, we got together, man, we were holy guys. We had four services on a Sunday, prayer meeting on a Thursday, home cell on a Wednesday, like, okay. God saved me from some of that pressure and performance. But at this prayer meeting, our leader at that stage, he stops the, he stops the whole prayer meeting and he says, Joe, I have a word for you. And some of the kids just there, they're playing in the background. One of them had like this little plastic sword, almost like a pirate sword. And he said, I want you to come and stand here in the front and I want you to hold up this sword. And I want everyone to come and stand around you and just, just hold your arms and your shoulders up. And he said, Joe, I see you and your future. Ephesians 6 says that the word of God is like the, the sword of the spirit. 
And I think God wants to use you to cut through the, the marrow and the bone of people's souls and just impart the truth of God's word in there. I was stunned. I was stunned. And now almost 15 years later, I've been preaching almost weekly from the word of God saying, God, if you say it, I will just be obedient. I had one of our student leaders, a couple of years after this, I've got a folder on OneNote, I would really encourage you to do this. As people share words with you, go and pray, go and discern. Some of it you will realize, it was just the pizza from last night. You can let it go, it's not from the Lord, it's not wise, it's just someone trying their best to be obedient, but they missed it, and that happens. And I've missed it many times, but some things I keep because I know this is God. Maybe for this season I don't fully understand, but things sometimes years later I've realized, oh man, this is what this person said. I'm seeing it now, understanding it now. One of my student leaders, it was in a season where I was wanting to quit ministry every single week almost. We, we had gone through three church splits and five leaders in five years. We had merged together with Doxadeo. It was one of the toughest seasons in my life. Not just church, everything. Marriage, the whole deal. And I just wanted to quit every single week. I wanted to quit ministry. And in a moment, in a small group, one of our leaders came to me and he just said, Joe, I just have this word for you. Long obedience in the same direction. Just long obedience in the same direction. I so wanted to hear, Joe, I see you in the business world. Or Joe, I see you running in my mind. I just see this exit, this exit sign, and you're running out. And I was like, yes, Jesus, I can go. What did he say? And he said, no, no, no. You just be obedient. Just long obedience in the same direction. That changed my whole life. And maybe lastly, I'll give you one more. Just before we moved to Pretoria, the family spoke to us about this dream that they have for a new Doxedo campus here in the Hatfield area and students and multi-ethnic. And we had to make a decision about this. We had so many words from people that spoke about what God wants to do. And I'm thankful for that. But the word that really changed my heart is we were on a breakaway as the Doxedo Bloom team. And one of our worship leaders, Yaku Stein, and he's a very quiet guy. He's not the typical, like, I have a word for you kind of person. And so when he spoke up, I listened. And he said, Joe, I see you as one of these little transformer toys, like a car that can transform into something. But what I see in you is you have been in your packaging in the car form. You've always been in that packaging. And it's beautiful. As it is there, it's nice, it's great, it's helpful. But if you want to see the full scope of what God can do through you, you're gonna have to go through the process of ripping open that packaging. And literally without him having to interpret anything, he didn't even try to, I just knew that I knew that I knew. This Hatfield thing has a lot more to do with what God wants to do in me than through me. God wants to take myself and my family through the very uncomfortable process of ripping open the packaging, which at times I will, I will kick against and hate and be frustrated with, but at the end of the day, I will see God, I could never have imagined what you have done in us. Friends, these are things that have absolutely changed my life. And all the person on the other side probably can say is like that email. I'm not trying to be weird or funny, praying for you, serving you, providing for you, paying for you. I'm just being obedient. And that's why when I read something like this, Romans 12, 6, it says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts of doing certain things well. Each of you guys here. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. If you're a teacher, then teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. 
And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. When the church stretches itself for each other, God is at work. And so maybe just as we finish off, maybe you're asking that question that people have been asking since last week. So what are my gifts? <laughs> what are my gifts? And we'll say again, there are some helpful things out there. Spiritualgiftstest.com, very helpfully named. And once again, I want to say we had a good laugh about that at our community group. But you're more than welcome to go and do that. It might help you a bit. But here's what I actually think the answer to that question is. I don't think you will ever get the full scope of that from a test or a personality indicator or some kind of thing like that. Here's how you discover your spiritual gift. If you are here at the church, at a community group, at a braai, at a coffee with someone, and you see anyone physically hurt or sick or in pain, you take your hands out of your pockets, you go to them and you ask, can I pray for you? And you lay your hands on them and you pray in the name of Jesus for their healing. If you see someone in our church distressed or discouraged, just genuinely it feels like I cannot take one more step in this life, you, you take them out for coffee, you pay for that coffee, and you just listen. You don't try and theologize their, their life. You don't try and be a philosopher. You just listen. Because that's all that they need. If you see a single mom in our church who is battling by just having to get by and that pile of stuff in her garage is just getting the best of her and just a pile of laundry is just overwhelming her, then you ask, can I come this Saturday and can I take responsibility for that garage? Can I take responsibility for that pile of laundry? If you see some of the, the people in our church battling with some sin that just so ensnares them like all of us have in our life, you go to them and you say, can I pray with you? And before you pray, you say, can we just become quiet and just ask the Holy Spirit just to guide our thoughts for a moment here? And if you experience God saying, man, this person is just being crumpled under accusatory thoughts of insufficiency and, and guilt, I feel so guilty for what I've done, then you take the authority that Jesus has given you and you speak the truth of God over that person. Jesus said, Matthew 28, I have all authority, I'm giving it to you, now go. You speak the truth in the name of Jesus over that person. Friends, I think the less we try and figure out what our gifts are, and the more we just step into the moments of gifting, you will see God working. You will see God working. And here's the thing, I wanna just leave you with the fact that Maybe you feel, yeah, I don't know, this, this is heavy, man. This is heavy. This is, this is stretching me in all the right ways. Can I just remind you of this? Bit of a U-turn at the end here. But I, I saw this picture and I thought, man, in the end, we, we almost called to serve one another. But that's a heavy calling. Unless the place from which we serve is a place of security and identity, knowing in who we are. And you know where we get that from? We used communion this morning. I want to show you a photo 1968, a bunch of archaeologists, they were digging in the northeastern parts of Jerusalem, and they found this, this fragment that's of an ankle bone to the right. This is the, the, all that's left, basically. It's been calcified and just been ruined by time, obviously, and this to the left is just a, an illustration of what it originally looked like. And what this is, is just one of the thousands and thousands and thousands of people who got crucified during the Roman reign. And I think, man, these Romans, they were ruthless. They were experts at punishing and killing people. And what I see here is just the result again of someone having to go through 
what in English we actually have a word for called excruciating. Excruciating pain is a word that was invented to represent the cross. The cross was so painful, we had to invent a word to speak about it. And here I think about, man, here's the God who is behind all things, the consciousness that is behind all things. The God who sits literally in dimensions beyond what I can compare and understand. And this God observes me and my pain and my brokenness and my hopelessness and my guilt and my shame. And what does this God do? Does he, does he lob just accusations at me? Does he stand in frustration pointing at us? No, this God comes and he humbles himself as a servant to the point of absolute humiliation and death. Because this God loves us so much. He's not only willing to pull up his skirt and run as the father after you. He's willing to bear your sin and brokenness, your frustration, your hurt. And he says, I will literally have myself be broken for you. And it's from that place. What does Mark 10, 45 say? Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve, to serve. And it's from that place that he says, now, as you put your faith in what I have done, will you now serve the city and one another as I have served you? And all we have to say is, God, I want to be simply obedient. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, I pray this morning that, that we would just be struck again by the absolute self-sacrificing love of God. God, may we be a community that loves to stretch ourselves for you in obedience. May not a single person in our church ever feel that they are alone, they are hopeless, that they're walking this thing out in isolation because you are in us and through us, Jesus. Jesus.